Well, Happy New Year. I'm so thankful that you started out the new year in church. I want to welcome all the Liberty family and our guests at all of our locations. Liberty's one church. Everybody say one church. Come on, every campus, one church. And we're in different locations and rooms all across Hampton Roads. So I want to welcome those at Hampton and Harborview and at Greenbrier, those at York River, at Smithfield, at Gloucester, those meeting in the chapel, those of you who are joining us online and I want to say a word of welcome, a shout out to the men and women in the correctional facilities around Hampton Roads. What a joy it is to bring this service to you. Come on, everybody, every campus, make every one of our guests feel welcome. Well, next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. <clears throat> next Sunday, we begin 21 days of prayer, so eat anything you want between now and Sunday, all right? I'll talk more about that later in the, in the sermon, but uh, we'll begin 21 days of prayer and fasting next Sunday. It'll also be the beginning of a new sermon series on the second coming, on the end times. Uh, I've called it, Are You Ready? Are You Ready? And I want you to invite a guest, get them here, and help me get the word out. Well, I'm so excited about a brand new sermon. I've never preached it before. God gave it to me fresh, I believe, a new sermon for a new year. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and listen to this. I'm going to preach the text right there, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've been in a topical series, so we've looked at a lot of different scriptures, but today, uh, one major text. I will give you some other references that you can write down, but stay at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to talk to you about how to have a happy new year. How to have a happy new year. Verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as the Holy Spirit anointed Paul to write these words, that the same spirit we read about in Genesis this morning that hovered over the waters would just right now fill me and let me preach out of the overflow. And I pray the Holy Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost would come at every campus, every location, that, you, Lord, you would move in our minds and our hearts, that the God of this age that has blinded people from the truth will be defeated and that the truth will set people free. And I pray for new beginnings and a new start. And I pray for another chance. Thank you that you're the God of another chance. And thank you for this gift that you've given us called a new year. Have your will and way in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. We read right here one of the greatest verses in the Bible. If anyone is in Christ, that they are a new creation. The old has passed. See, the new has come. New Year's Day gives us an opportunity for a fresh new start. And there's just something about the word new. Everybody say new. new. Come on, every campus say new. new. If you're following online, just, just type it in the chat box right there, new. There's something that just brings a smile to your face when you think about new. Don't you remember when you got a new bike as a child? Or, or maybe uh, you got a new doll Maybe you got a new basketball or a new ball glove. As an adult, you got a new car. Even if it wasn't new, it was new to you. Amen. New to us. Just something about the word new. Everybody say new. You think about this journey called life. Uh, you get a new job. You, you can move into a new house, new apartment. Uh, you, you get a new baby. I mean, there's so much in life when you think about that word new. And I think about spiritually, what the Bible has to say about new. Uh, God has given us, listen, a new birth. He has given us new life, a new covenant. Praise God, we're not under the old covenant, not under the law, but we're under grace. We're under a new covenant. I want you to know that we have a new commandment to love one another. That we have the promise, are you ready, of a new body. I can't wait. 
The promise of a new body, a new home called heaven. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. You're going to have a new name in eternity. Listen, he gives us a new song. And the Bible ends in the book of Revelation saying, he is making all things, you say it, new. Today we begin a new year. 52 weeks, 365 days. It is God's gift to us. Uh, January is named after the Roman idol, the god, little g, the Roman idol, Janus. Remember that when Paul wrote this, uh, that, that the church uh, is, is living under the Roman empire during that time. And, and the Roman soldiers, when they would march out to war, would go under the archway, the doorway of the god of Janus because Janus was considered the god of beginnings. This is the beginning of something new. Janus is depicted as an idol with two faces, one looking back and one looking forward. One looking back at the sorrow and despair of the past. One looking forward with hope and confidence. And I believe there is a message there to us today. Listen, there are two ways to live. You can either live looking back at all of your failures and all of your mistakes and all of your regrets, or you can look forward with hope and confidence in a new beginning. You see, Janus was an idol. And the Bible says about idols, they have eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear, mouths that cannot speak. A Janus was just an idol made out of stone. And because of that, Janus gave a false hope of a new beginning. But let me tell you, are you ready? A new beginning is not found in Janus. It's found in Jesus. Listen, one of the greatest verses in all the Bible is right here in front of you. And I encourage you to memorize scripture. And if you've never committed this verse to memory, I want you to memorize this verse. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. Write this down. If you want Happy New Year to be more than words, if you want Happy New Year to be a reality in your life, you're going to have to love more. You need a new passion. Stay with me right here in the text. I told you, brand new sermon. I've never seen this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the, everybody say it. Love of Christ compels us. Everybody's talking about New Year resolutions. What's your New Year resolution? Well, let me just go ahead and discourage you right now. They don't last past Valentine's Day. Statistically, let me tell you, 64% do not last one month. Only 46% last six months. And for those who are 50 or over, only 14% will keep a New Year's resolution. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need a new life, a new life. And if, now get this, if it's only about losing weight, if it's only about exercising more, you will not have the motivation to last. That's why New Year resolutions do not work. The motivation that lasts is the love of God. The motivation that will keep you doing what you know you ought to do is the love of Christ compels us. Let me tell you, God loves you. He has demonstrated his love for you by sending his son Jesus to die for you on the cross. And I'm telling you, God wants the best for his children. Our life first, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans of good and not of evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. The love of God is our motivation. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. Now here it is. We love because he first loved us. You know what that means? God made the first move. You love God today? If that's true, it's only because he first loved you. Look at this. What's, it says in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who what? Love God. 
who are called according to his purpose. There are going to be some things in the new year that are not good. There are going to be things happening in your life that's not going to be good. But if you love God, if you love God, you, listen, this is the family secret. You can rest assured he is going to work it for your ultimate good and his glory. Can I have an amen? Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Mark 12, 29. Jesus said, the most important is listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, all your mind, all of your strength. So here it is. Start every day loving God. Here it is. James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and he'll what? He'll draw near to you. See, try harder, exercise more. That's good. But it's not the starting place. The starting place is you start your day loving God. God made us body, soul, and spirit. And everything in your life is connected. Your entire life is connected. So you need a holistic approach. You will have a good year if you have a good year spiritually. See, so your body, soul, and spirit. And the pro anybody ever play King of the Hill when you were a kid? King of the hill. When your body is king or your soul is king, that's when you get your life in a mess. But when spiritually it's number one in your life, it's king in your life, then body and soul will follow. And so you got to make sure that it's in order. I want you to develop your life spiritually. Start every day with God. Hear what I'm about to say. This is a very practical message. At every one of our campuses today, we have one-year Bibles. Every campus. So there's no excuse for you not to say, well, I don't know where I can get a one-year Bible. People always ask me, where's that one-year Bible you and Miss Tammy read from? We got them at our campuses today. Because I want to challenge you to read the Bible every day. Now, here's the way it's laid out. And you don't have to do this when you can. There are a lot of other uh, devotional that... <clears throat> are good and you can use. But the particular one I use is this. You read Old Testament. I read Genesis 1 this morning. Then you read New Testament. I read Matthew 1 this morning. Then you read Psalms and Proverbs every day. You have a Psalm and a Proverb. One verse and a Proverb every day. And I'm just telling you, when you get in Leviticus, you're going to be glad you got some New Testament coming. And you're going to be glad you got a Psalm and David is struggling like you struggle. And you're going to be glad you got a proverb for wisdom of how to live that day. And I want you to read it every day. But here's the key. Even if you're sick. Listen, when Miss Tammy was in the hospital for two weeks fighting for her life, I missed some days. I'm your pastor. And I missed some days. Because I was by my wife's side praying that she would live. Now, I'm just telling you. You're going to... If you miss a day, don't let the devil win and say, okay, I'm just not going to read anymore this year. No, you just pick up the next day and start reading. And, and, and you, listen, God will give you what you need for that day. And don't you get discouraged or let the devil defeat you if you miss a day. I just finished on the 31st reading through the Bible once again. And I want to challenge you, go get one of those one-year Bibles. And I want you to read the Bible or just read some Bible and pray every day. Have you got it? Say, I got it. Listen, next Sunday, is, we start 21 days of prayer. Now, on Sunday, the prayer time's at the end of the message, at the end of the service. But Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. at our permanent campuses, you get there. And I want you to know that we will pray. 6 a.m., start with a song. We'll have 10 minutes of Bible reading and teaching. And then you pray privately. Then we come back together and pray corporately. And then we get you out before 7 o'clock. All right, so you can get to work, school, wherever you need to be. And if you can't go to one of our permanent campuses, make sure you follow online. On Saturdays, it's 9 o'clock, and we'll have you out by 10. 21 days, go on the journey with us. You owe it to yourself to experience a prayer service like it. There are Christians who have never, ever experienced a prayer service like I'm talking about. And I'm telling you, you will never be the same 
Let me tell you, you need more than human power. You need a higher power. And I encourage you to fast. Fast from something. Fasting is just giving up something you love for someone you love more. Uh, The purpose of fasting is not to punish yourself. It's the presence and nearness of Jesus. John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus and said, we fast and the Pharisees fast. Why don't your disciples fast? Jesus said, because I'm the bridegroom and they are the bride. And when the bride and the bridegroom are together, there's no need to fast. But the day will come when I will be taken away and then they will fast. Well, he's going to prepare a place for us. He's at the right hand of the Father getting ready to come again. And I'm telling you, now's the time to fast. Fasting's mentioned over 70 times in the Bible. It's a spiritual discipline. It's about self-control or spirit control better. And I want you to know self-control is part of the fruit of the spirit. And your life gets in trouble, as I said, when the soul is in charge or when the body is calling the shots. Now, if you'll be honest, the holidays are a time of self-indulgence. From Thanksgiving to Christmas, we don't fast, we feast. And now's the time to fast. You can do a complete fast that is liquids only. All right? Now, I'm going to tell you, that's a marathon. That's a real challenge. Uh, And and I wouldn't do it without doctor's permission, especially if you have medical issues. Uh, Here's another one. You can do a Jewish fast, which is basically from sunrise to sunset. You don't eat. You eat one meal a day at night. Or you can do a selective fast. You can just say, I'm going to give up bread. I'm going to give up uh, sweets. I'm going to give up. Listen, uh, one, one time during 21 days, I gave up Mountain Dew. You know how much your pastor loved Mountain Dew. I hadn't had one in years. This past year, I gave up. Coke Zero, Diet Coke. Miracles still happen. I don't know what it is that you need to give up, but it could be a selective fast. It could be a Daniel fast, which is very popular, fruits and vegetables only. And then it may be a soul fast. Just give up social media for 21 days or stop watching television for 21 days. But just do something. Do something. How in the world am I going to fast for 21 days? I tell you, the love of God compels us. How in the world am I going to pray 365 days and get up early? I'll tell you how. You're going to love God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the love of Christ compels us. All right? I want you to love more. Love more. Here's the second one. Live more. If love more is about a new passion, then live more is about a new perspective. A new perspective. Look at verse 15. And he died for all, so that those who, everybody say it, live, should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly, there's the word, perspective. Live more means you're going to have a new perspective. You don't see everybody from a worldly perspective, even if you've known Christ from a worldly perspective. Yet now you no longer know him in this way. 2 Corinthians is the most personal letter we have from the Apostle Paul. He's given a defense of his ministry. He had been attacked. It was a character assassination. They called him a fake and a fraud. They said he's a little man. He's a weak man. He's no great apostle. And you know what Paul does in the book? He agrees with his adversaries. He says, I am little and I am weak. But that just proves it's not me, it's God. And, and it's in that passage where he talks about the all-sufficient grace of God. I believe it's chapter 12. And, and I'm just telling you, he says that weakness is the stage on which God displays his power. And so he agreed with his adversaries. Live more means stop living for yourself. It's right there in the scripture. And start living for God. Start living for others. Jesus changes your outlook on life. He gives you a new perspective. You see Jesus differently. You see others differently. Here it is. We do not view the Bible through the lens of the world. We view the world through the lens of the Bible. I'm saying to you that you don't view people, it says here, worldly. Some of your Bibles will say fleshly. In other words, you don't judge people based on outward appearance. You don't judge people based on skin color or race or ethnicity. You don't judge people based on political affiliation. External distinctions 
are no longer red, yellow, black, or white. We're one in Christ Jesus. And after Paul met Jesus on the Damascus Road, he had a new perspective on everything. Now listen, Christ did not change. Saul did. In fact, his name was changed from Saul to Paul. And so many people think that the problem is everybody else. So many people think the problem is everybody else. And you know people, they will come to your mind right now. They run all their life. They run from one job to another. They run from one uh, relationship to another. They are always running, moving schools, moving neighborhoods, moving even churches. They are moving everywhere. But let me remind you of something. Wherever you go, you take you with you. They think the grass is greener on the other side. So they run and they keep running all of their lives. Listen, bloom where you're planted. I'm saying to you, there is no ideal place to serve God except where he put you. That's what Abraham knew. Abraham looked at Lot and said, listen, if you go to the left, I'm going to the right. If you go to the right, I'm going to the left. Because Abraham knew it was not about a geographical location. God had promised to be with him and bless him wherever he went. And so the kingdom of God, listen, is built relationally, not positionally. Don't get hung up over what you do, but who you get to do it with. We're family. You've heard it said before, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. And so you need a small group. Growth happens in relationship. You need Christian friends. I think about people. You, you don't have any family here. Listen, the church is your family. Think about all the military families that move here in the area and people that come. They don't have any family here, but they've got a church family. And we are family. We are one in Christ. Iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. And so I can't know everybody, but let me tell you, our groups know everybody. And so live more means you do life together. And we're trying to make it simple. The whole first part of this year in January is about 21 days of prayer. We just want you to pray and read your Bible. All right? Get started right. Then when it, 21 days of prayer ends, on January the 29th, we start small group semester. And we want to encourage you to get into a small group. Everybody say live more. Listen, eat healthier, exercise more, join the gym, set goals, get a fresh start. That's all great. Fast, pray, get in a group, read your Bible. But for heaven's sake, do something. Go home and clean out a drawer. <laughs> Go clean out the closet, the attic, the garage. Get rid of the junk. John Hopkins, I read an article that said, How to Live Longer. They gave you four factors that will definitely enable you to live longer. Write them down. Number one, don't smoke. Young people, listen to your pastor. Don't smoke. It says all four of these are necessary to live longer. But if you only choose one, choose this one. Because smoking will kill you. And we all going to die. It's going to kill you sooner. All right? Number two, maintain a healthy weight. A ratio of height to weight that measures body mass is less than 25. Maintain a healthy weight. Wait. Number three, get up and move. Break it into three different uh, times of activity. You could walk 10 minutes in the morning, walk 10 minutes at lunch, and walk 10 minutes after dinner. That's 30 minutes of exercise a day. Get up and start moving. And then he says here, make healthy food choices. People who live longer seem to eat a Mediterranean-style diet. Fresh fruits, vegetables, and fish. Not a lot of red meat, all right? Bottom line is get started. Everybody say get started. Live longer, live more. Stop living for yourself and live for God and live for others. And everybody said amen. Here's the last one. Learn more, learn more. That's about a new potential. God wants you to reach your potential. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. It's one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. I told you, commit it to memory. 
It is the testimony of every Christian. It is the biography of every Christian. It says, if anyone, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, or what you have done, don't get into that mentality that people will never change. Listen, people can change. You can change. I want to say a word. I want to look right into the camera and say a word to the men and women uh, in the correctional facilities, juvenile detention centers. Listen, this is not the last chapter in your life. You are not a project to us. You are family to us. And when you get out, we want you to already have a church where you can come and tell us the difference Jesus has made in your life. You can know God, find community, serve people, and leave a legacy. It doesn't matter how long you've done something, how long that bad habit has held you bound. I want you to know, listen, my dad, he smoked all my life. My dad was in the Navy stationed at Norfolk. And, and I'm telling you, he smoked then, and he smoked when I came along. I never remember my dad not smoking until Taylor was born. And we lived in Arkansas, and we would come back at Christmas and in the summer, only twice a year. And I want you to know, one Christmas we came, and little Taylor jumped in my dad's lap, and he was in his rocking chair, and he had that pipe, and he was smoking, and little Taylor started crying. And he said, Papa, you're going to die. And my dad said, what? He said, you're going to die? He said, what are you talking about? He said, my mom and dad said, if you smoke, it'll kill you. And you know, I told Taylor, he'd see a cigarette button. I said, don't pick that up. That's nasty. Now listen, smoking won't send you to hell. Just make you smell like you've been there, all right? I'm just telling you. <clears throat> and Taylor was crying and said, Papa, I don't want you to die. And I'm telling you, God used that little boy to do something in my dad's life that nobody else had ever been able to do. He quit smoking right then, right there. People can change. Bad habits can be broken. But hear me, you can't change yourself. The potential for change, get this, is in Christ. It's in Christ. Nobody talks about being in Confucius or being in Buddha or being in Muhammad. But Christians talk about being in Christ because we're in Christ and Christ is in us. The hope of glory. And when we talk about being in Christ, it's like the birds in the air and the air's in the bird. It's like the fish is in the sea and the water, the sea is in the fish. We are in Christ. And, I, and in Christ is not the same as being in church. Now, I'm, it's good to be in church and I'm glad you're in church. But hear me, there's a difference between being in church and in Christ. Some people say, well, I'm into spirituality and I'm into religion. And listen, we need less religion and more Jesus. You need to be in Christ. I think about how people say all the time, well, I believe there's a God. Well, let me tell you, the devil himself and the demons believe the Bible. They believe Jesus is the son of God. But listen, they're not in Christ. The demons believe and tremble. And I'm telling you, more than believing in a God, you got to believe in Christ and you got to be in Christ. Now, why is it that husband and wives are at war with one another? Why is it? that children rebel against their parents? Why is it that friends won't even speak to one another? Why is it that people are at war with themselves, war within? And let me tell you, when a person's at war with themselves, they'll be at war with everybody else around them. We just came through Christmas. You know what the message of Christmas is? Emmanuel, God with us. But it's not just Christ in the world, it's Christ in you. Christ in you. And that's where the change comes. If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. Paul went all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to John. I'm telling you, the Bible's not a collection of stories. It's one story about God creating and man rebelling and God reconciling himself to us and us to him. And you see it right here in this passage. Look at it. Everything's a gift from God. Everything you have is from God. Every breath that you take, every heartbeat, everything's from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, it means old things are going to pass away and all things are going to become new. Old things are passed away. He, listen, you get 
new life in Christ. I'm not talking about a repair or rehab or reformed. I'm talking about regeneration. You go from dead to life. I am telling you that the God who made the world spoke it into existence. He can give you a new beginning. The God who brought order out of chaos can give you a new start. And it says the old has passed away. That doesn't mean that the old won't try to come back. Can I get a witness? Doesn't mean temptation not going to come your way. But Martin Luther said when temptation came knocking on his door, he said, who are you looking for? And they said, Martin Luther. He said, he doesn't live here anymore. Jesus lives here. Listen. The past is wiped away. You get a new start, a new page, like opening a new document. You have failed in the past. You've made bad choices. You've suffered for your, your, the consequences of your sin. But sin is like trash. And every family has a trash day. You got a trash day. The day that you put the trash out, listen to me. New Year's Day is trash day. Don't bring all the baggage, all the hurt, all the pain, all the disappointment from yesterday into the new year. Don't you even bring a carry-on. I'm telling you, this is the day to have a new beginning. Everything's from God. He's reconciling us to him. It's a banking term. Some of you, you reconcile your bank statement. Do you remember the day you used to reconcile it down to the penny? Oh, I quit that a long time ago. I'd lose my mind. I mean, it just drives me crazy. But there are people, I know you're still out there, and you, you reconcile it down to the very penny. And I want you to know, it is, it is a banking term. And a new year's the perfect time to get your financial house in order. The credit card bill's going to come in January of all you spent in December. And you're going to start getting ready to do your taxes for 2022. You remember? And that's the perfect time to look at your life financially and get your house in order. I, the starting place is 10, 10, 80. The first 10 goes to God. The next 10 goes in savings because you believe in your future. And 80% is what you live on. And I'm telling you, it's not how much you make. It's how much you manage. For, what is tithing? For $10, every time you get $10, the first one goes to God. The second one, you put in savings. And you live on the eight. Look at verse 19. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed this message of reconciliation to us. Can I just tell you before you can be reconciled to one another, you're going to have to listen to one another. God gave you two ears, one mouth. You would save yourself a lot of trouble in the new year if you just kept your mouth shut. <laughs> you got to listen more than you talk. Learn to listen. And here it is. If you want to be reconciled, learn to forgive. Forgive quickly. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let it fester and build up like a root of bitterness. Nobody was more wounded, more grieved, betrayed, mistreated, then Jesus, Jesus could have been the most bitter person in the world. And yet I'm telling you, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so we forgive. Forgiveness has very little to do with you and the other person. It has everything to do with you and God. We forgive because God requires it. If you do not forgive others, he will not forgive you. It's for your benefit, not theirs. If they never, ever apologize you still forgive them anyway. God remembers our sin no more. It doesn't mean that he has amnesia. It just means he doesn't hold it against us. And I'm telling you, the God who knows everything has chosen not to hold it against us. And that's why you have to treat one another. Now, you already know this, but I want to remind you, forgiveness is not a one-time act. You've got to keep forgiving. There's some days those old memories come back and that pain's fresh and you've got to forgive. You know, before you leave the house, somebody's going to offend you. Choose to forgive when you're spending time reading your Bible and pray. And hear me, forgiveness is not reconciliation. It takes one to repent. It takes one to forgive. But it takes two to reconcile. Forgiveness is just the first step. Have you got it? Say, I got it. Look at how it closes. 
Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Now, an ambassador, everybody knows what an ambassador is. You just represent a country in a different country. An ambassador just represents the king or the government that has sent them over there. Now, listen, the ambassador lives in an, in an alien culture. If you are from America and you go to be in any other country in the world, the ambassador's job is not to fix their culture or to make them American. The ambassador's job is to get out the message of freedom. This is who we are. This is what we believe in. We live in a world like aliens, strangers passing through. This world is not our home. We're just ambassadors. And our focus cannot be on trying to fix the culture. Only Jesus can change somebody. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Only change people change the world. So stop focusing on the culture and focus on the gospel. And in the new year, keep the main thing the main thing. Next Sunday, we're going to start a study on end times and second coming, and I don't want you going off the deep end. Here's what I mean by that. I do not want the focus to be on setting dates or signs. Look at what this passage says in 2 Corinthians 5. We walk by faith, not by signs, not by sight. And so I'm saying to you that the main thing about the second coming is that he's coming. We believe in the visible, listen, bodily return of Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. Not when the rapture takes place. Now I have my personal belief, but be honest. You can't control if it happens at the beginning or the middle or at the end. It's gonna happen and he's coming. So keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is, are you ready? Look at these verses. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim. What's your aim in the new year? To be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid. You're going to be rewarded for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There's a reckoning day. And so it's important that we understand we're going to give an account of how we use this new year. You're going to give an account of how you live your life. And here it is, last verse, 21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the, everybody say this word. Everybody say this word. Righteousness of God. Let me explain it to you like this. Imagine I had a bowl up here. A bowl full of apples. Maybe a bowl full of oranges. Maybe a bowl full of peaches since I stayed up and watched the peach bowl last night. <laughs> but that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. <laughs> if you walk by and knock that bowl of peaches off, listen, not only does the bowl fall, but all the peaches fall. Adam is the bowl. We are the peaches and when Adam fell, we all fell, the whole human race. Oh, but here's the good news. There's a second Adam who came. His name's Jesus. And in Jesus, we're made alive. And so the important thing is that you're in Jesus. Remember that banking term I told you about, reconcile? It is the doctrine of imputation. Uh, Cliff Palmer taught me this. He's already with the Lord. Died in his 90s. Last thing he ever said to me, we were talking, just, just, he, he was in the hospital bed. He looked in my eyes. He said, help me up. I helped him. He looked at me and he said, tell me your dream. In his 90s. About to, that's what I'm asking you. What's your dream for the new year? What's your aim? How are you going to please God? Listen, I remember him teaching me the doctrine of imputation. It's real simple. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took all our sin upon himself. And he imputed to us, gave to our account all his righteousness. And that's the only reason you go to heaven. 
See, some people have the idea, well, just bad people are lost and good people are saved and bad people go to hell and good people go to heaven. No! God's not looking for good people. There's none good, no, not one. He's looking for new people. New people. And if anyone be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things are passed away. See, the new has come. And that was the testimony of so many in Scripture. Zacchaeus, the woman at the well. Saul of Tarsus, a hard man. He was throwing Christians in prison, arresting them. Hated Christians. He held the coats for the men who stoned Stephen. But something happened to him. He met a man named Jesus on the Damascus Road. And it changed his life forever. He was a new creation. Old things were passed away. Behold, all became new. I'm asking you, who needs a new start today? A new beginning? Who needs another chance? I want you to bow your head with me for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you pray something like this in your heart? Just say, Father, on this first day of the new year, I repent of my sins. I know I can't be good enough to get to heaven. But I thank you, Jesus, for living a perfect life and then dying and taking my place, taking all of my sin and giving me all of your righteousness. Holy Spirit, fill me and help me to follow and to trust and to live for God. Every day of this new year. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, put your hands together and rejoice with those who prayed that prayer. We want to hear from you. Fill out this connection card. It's at the campuses. Or you can text yes to 40371 if you're doing it online. So I want us to stand. Every campus, every location. You know how we close. We're going to have a song. A time of reflection. A time when you can come to the altar and pray. And uh, if you prayed that prayer today, you're ready to take your next step. See somebody at the Next Step Center. Remember the one-year Bibles are out there. I challenge you to start the year out every day, reading your Bible and praying. Whatever's on your heart, talk to him about it right now. Don't bring all the worries of this past year into a new year. Take it to him right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this passage and this new word that you have uh, opened my eyes to and I pray that you'd open the eyes of the people to hear it and receive it. Thank you that you make all things new. We know everything comes from you. Every good and perfect gift. Every breath that we take. Every heartbeat. So we thank you for the gift of life. And I thank you for the gift of this new year. And we just confess Jesus is Lord. That Jesus you're over everything. So help us to take time every day to pray. Every day to read your word and let us hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you and I pray Lord we'll build our lives in this new year on your word on Christ the solid rock and I pray that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit help us to love more, live more and learn more thank you for all that you have for us, we believe it and receive it by faith in Jesus name and everyone said, Amen.
We hope today you're leaving with that confidence that you can build your life upon Jesus. And I'm telling you in this new year, you got to hear me say this. I really believe that God is inviting us. He is calling us. He is welcoming us to more that he has for us in life. To more peace, to more fulfillment, to more joy, to more love, to more purpose in living. And I think the key in in, uh, receiving what God really has for you is learning to walk every day in his word. I'm telling you, Pastor gave such a timely word starting the new year. And uh, as a staff, we've really been praying about how we can help better facilitate that and how we can walk with you through different things. And you're going to see up on the screen, uh, there is a QR code for you to click, for you to take a picture of, however you want to do it. It's right up there on the screen. That is for the Hampton Campus family to walk all the way through the Bible this year. You'll see thoughts and comments from me on there. And I want you to comment back. Uh, I posted it on social media and on some of our uh, 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 campus pages. And I, I think we already have 50 or 60 people who this morning started out with us walking through the Word. And for me personally, I use a hard copy of the Bible. There's nothing like holding it in my hands to me. But I click through the app just so everybody knows I'm doing it with you. I'm going along the journey with you. And I want that to be a resource with you. It is the exact same uh, plan that Pastor Grant uses and the same version. So when you hear him comment throughout the year on, you remember Wednesday morning we read this. That's the plan he's walking through. And I want us as a Hampton campus to walk through it together this year. I believe it will totally change the trajectory of your year and just give you a fresh perspective every day. And the second thing that I think is equal in that is learning to prioritize time to really talk to God. And I'm not just talking about um, him listening to you. I'm talking about you listening to him, just a communion with God. And we set up 21 days of prayer. It'll start this next week, next week. We set up 21 days of prayer so that you're able to walk with us and, and learn at the beginning of your year how to spend time with God, how to worship and pray, speak to God every morning, listen for his voice and direction for the day. And that's why we really not just uh, fast different things in our life. That's why we fast that time. It creates the pattern for your year. And so I want you to join this year for 21 days of prayer. Walk through the reading plan with us as we study the word every day. And I really believe, listen to me, I really believe it's going to be the best year of your life. Not because circumstances or situations won't get hard. Not because uh, things this year might go differently than you expected. But when you have a closer communion with God, when you have closer connection, I'm telling you, it's better than ever. And for all of us, we can take a step closer to him this year. And so that's my prayer for you. That's my hope for you as you leave this morning. I'm so glad you started off New Year's Sunday, spending time worshiping the Lord, spending time in the Word. Y'all have a blessed week. We'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday.